What's up, everybody? Welcome back to C4C Apologetics. I thank you all for just sticking with us. Uh, it's been crazy, uh, crazy in our life lately. We had recently retired from the military and moved from South Dakota all the way out to Alabama, South Dakota to Alabama, northern part of the United States to one of the most southern parts of the United States. And it's no short trek either. It's about 1,500 plus miles. And when you're traveling with three vehicles, two teenagers, two German shepherds. It's kind of an interesting road trip. And then to get here and to get settled in and everything takes some time. So for those of you that stuck around, hung it out, uh, waiting on us to get back into the swing of things, much appreciated. And today we want to go ahead and answer a question that a viewer had sent over to us via the contact page. Now feel free if you want to go ahead and check out our website at c4capologetics.weebly.com. And if you have any ideas on how we can better this ministry for God, or if you have any ideas for future videos, podcasts, or whatever the case is, feel free to hit the contact us button on that website. It'll come to our email account and we'll go ahead and check it out. And 99% of the time, we do the video or the podcast or, or whatever insight you have as far as a video request is concerned or a study, we typically will do it. And so just be aware that it's going to be based upon the beliefs that we hold that God reveals in Scripture and not based upon cultural norms and cultural standards. So what was the question that was sent to us uh, about a month or so ago? Well, basically, if you were asking me to do a video on demonic possession in witchcraft, and really in the contact card, an individual put three specific questions. First, can people be demon-possessed? Second, can witchcraft affect believers? And third, how should we react if we think we are under spiritual attack? Now, before we jump right into this, I want to go ahead and just preface this. First and foremost, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have to realize, no matter how many times or how fearful we may get or shudder at demon possession, at the demonic realm, about just the evilness and the wickedness out there in the world that's controlled by Satan and his minions, we have got to remember that God, Christ, the Holy Spirit is much greater and stronger than they can ever imagine or dream to be. Plus, we have to remember that we've read the end of the book. We've read Revelation 22. We see what happens, or actually it's Revelation chapter 20, with the lake of fire and the casting of the beast and the false prophet and the Antichrist forever for eternity. So we have got to remember, greater is God than Satan or his dominions, or minions, if you will. So we have got to foot stomp that. Second, I will not encourage anybody to do a deep study in demonology or in Satanology because the first time I've done a study in demonology or Satanology, specifically it was demonology, and basically studying the role, uh, the legitimacy of demons, what does God have to say about demons in, in, in reality, it was a very, uh, how would I say it, active time of my life while I was studying that. And it wasn't active prior to me studying, it was active during my studying. The more I've studied this, the more I realize I have got to soak my study in prayer because I was literally getting attacked. I was literally having thoughts come into my mind that I know weren't of God, I know weren't of me, and that we know 
they were from the other side of the spiritual realm. And so I would not encourage anybody to do a deep study in demonology because the more we study into this, the more you're probably going to attract the attention of these things. That being the case, God does have a lot to say about demons, about Satan, about this realm. And so if all scripture is profitable, then we would do well to know what does God have to say about this. So that's what we're going to talk about in answering this question. First, the interest in demons and Satan and evil and magic, that's actually nothing new. It's been going on for eons. However, the more we're seeing in the news is that satanic temples and chapters are being opened up across the country, and it seems to be growing in influence. And unfortunately, the influence is growing under the guise of doing good for the world and the community. But see, when we actually look into the teachings of the satanic temple and chapters, when we actually look at what they're ex actually espousing, what they're truly worshiping, it reveals a much more sinister plot. And it's similar to Freemasons. You see, the lower in rank you are in the Freemasons or the Masonic Lodge or the Scottish Rite or whatever it is, the more ignorant you are of the underlying, uh, if you will, theology of Masons. The higher you get in the Masonic Order, the deeper you understand the hidden knowledge, the occult, the influence, and really the spiritual side, the ungodly spiritual side of Freemasons and what they espouse and actually believe. And it's the same thing with these satanic temples. And it's funny because I've seen an interview about a couple that were promoting a satanic temple and saying, we don't worship Satan, we don't teach Satan, then that's kind of interesting on why it's a satanic temple. But anyways, I'm not going to go down that road. But I want to go ahead and bring up two research studies that I believe are pivotal or going to be instrumental in us looking at this idea of demonic possession. First, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics, they found that exposure to violence at high levels in access multiple contexts has been linked with what's called emotional desensitization. Emotional desensitization. And then according to the National Institutes of Health, this exposure to violence resulted in diminished empathy and reduced emotional reactivity to violence. So what does this even mean? Basically, it means the American culture is becoming desensitized to violence, death, and the occult. And what I really want to point out is that this culture's desensitization leads to the downfall of man and society. And this is most clearly revealed actually in the life of David. It was pointed out in Kent Hughes' book, The Dis Disciplines of a Godly Man, where David's sin with Bathsheba, though he broke the one sin of committing adultery and then a murder, he, he does well pointing out how he broke all ten commandments. Commandments pointing to God, commandments towards mankind. In, that, in the one act, David broke all ten of the main commandments that God has given. But also he points out that in the culture of David's day, the culture allowed multiple wives. It was legal, culturally accepted. However, it was never condoned or accepted by God. For God's desire was always a monogamous relationship of people of the opposite sex. However, David chose the cultural ethics over God's ethics, and it desensitized him to the sin of sensuality, which ended up in the murderous relationship with Bathsheba. And so we can clearly see the road desensitization uh, leads a man 
and how far and how depraved our flesh can be if we desensitize ourselves from certain things. Desensitization becomes a course of action. It's natural. It's common. And it opens one mind and influences the decision-making process for that individual. It removes the empathy, as study has shown, and the sensitivity to God's ethic and God's moral law. And it's not just the violence of sensuality. It's found in any reading of life. The moment we allow culture to change us is the moment that we slowly become desensitized to the atrocities, to the immorality of the world, and we start accepting it. And today we're going to talk about the desensitization of the demonic or the occultic realm. And when we're looking at this, we're looking at desensitization as far as uh, Hollywood does a good job of making these uh, topics look good, make them look lighthearted, make them look funny and comical. I mean, for instance, uh, My Little Pony, it's a cartoon that's aimed at little children. It's aimed geared towards little children. And yet there's a lot of magic. There's a lot of divination in there. There's a there's episodes with ghostly horses, if you will. Then we have movies like Hocus Pocus, which makes witches out to be goofy-looking old ladies uh, that go around and turn people into cats. So Hollywood does a really good job of trying to take the occultic and demonic realm and make it a light-hearted story that actually slowly desensitizes us to the actual demonic and legitimate side of this topic. You know, normally, well not normally, but I've regularly been... Uh, having conversation with people who always talk about just weird things happening in their house, faucets coming on, or the feeling that somebody's watching them, things like that. And it's interesting because when I always ask, do you watch movies like Annabelle or The Conjuring or things like this? Almost always they answer yes. And so these are the things that we need to be staying and getting away from if we want to see some godly fruit some godly provision, some godly strength in our life to take control, to take over the power that we're giving the demonic realm in our life. But what does God actually say about witchcraft, demonic interest? And we can open up to the one book that most people have never read. Many people probably can't even pronounce it, but we read in the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 19. 19 verses 31 and 32, God bluntly tells the Jewish people not to regard or to turn to the, those that have familiar spirits, neither to seek after wizards. So what's a familiar spirit and what's a wizard? Well, basically a wizard is sort of like a male witch, someone that conjures up spirits, someone that can do incantations, spells. And then what is a familiar spirit? A familiar spirit is like, for instance, mediums or uh, witches that contact the dead, that contact not the actual dead people, but actually they are using demons to give them information to make it seem as though they know information about the future, information about the past and individual. Those demons are attached to individuals reaching out to the demonic world, and they are familiar to the witches, and they are called familiar spirits, according to the Word of God. And so God tells the Jewish people not to turn to those that have the familiar spirits or seek after wizards. And we see that Saul, later on, does seek after the witch of Endor, and it turns out very poorly for it. 
But God also tells him clearly up front why. He doesn't just say, don't do this and leave it at that. He tells him up front why, because they will be defiled by them. You see, the nations surrounding the Jews were into the occult. The pagan nations were involved in conjuring, were trying to speak with either the dead or the demonic realm. And God clearly forbade the Jewish people from seeking those people or being attracted to their practices. Unfortunately, the Jewish people did not heed God's counsel, and the same people whom God told to be holy for God is holy and to be set apart and distinct and different from all the nations is the same people that God had told in Leviticus 19.31 to not regard or seek after the things are the same people that turned their back and did this evil. It didn't take long before the people of Israel to seek after those means. And eventually, seeking after these practices, false worship of a god named Baal or Molech or Asherah led ultimately to the murder of innocent children within the Israeli camp. You see, I always ask myself, how? How did the Jewish people who were close and connected to God come this far and seek after those with demonic spirits when God clearly told them no? You see, I believe the answer is twofold, maybe. First, when we don't get the answer we want from God, or when the answer we want from God isn't what we actually want, we seek to force it. And so if I'm praying for something, and either A, I don't get the answer I'm actually wanting selfishly, or B, I don't get the answer when I want it, we tend to try to force God's hand. You see, but another reason, another possibility I'm looking at is the cultural desensitization, like we talked about with the research studies that has been uh, revealed through the Institute's National Health and American Pediatric. Again, we saw it with David. Cultural acceptability, the cultural norms were accepted. He was desensitized, and that led to the fall. And elsewhere in Scripture, even in our own society today, the more we get used to something, the more it becomes our norm. You see, God tells Micah and uh, tells the Israelites in Micah chapter 5, verses 10 through 14. I'm going to read this passage. It shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, that I will cut off thy horses out of the midst of thee, and I will destroy thy chariots, and I will cut off the cities of thy land, and throw down all thy strongholds, and I will cut off witchcrafts out of thine hand, and thou shalt have no more soothsayers. Thy graven images also will I cut off, and thy standing images of the midst of thee, and thou shalt no more worship the work of thine hands. And I will pluck up thy groves out of the midst of thee, so will I destroy thy cities. You see, God promises one day the witchcrafts, the soothsayers, graven images, and groves will be cut off, destroyed out of the land of Israel to make the land how it was originally meant to be under the Mosaic law, which was pure. God hates, God righteously hates the witchcraft, the groves, the pagan altars, and other forms of those occultic practices seeking counsel apart from God's wisdom. If God wrote the book of life, God created life, God's the author of life, scripture, God's word, the Bible is God's blueprint on how we are to live, how we are to gain knowledge, how we are to gain wisdom and apply understanding. God's the one who knows this information. But many times we seek information, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding 
apart from God's word. And this is what God despises because he is the one that knows how to live life. He's the one that knows what's best for you and for me. But yet we get desensitized or we get culturally uh, norms accepted in our lives. And then we're like, okay, maybe I don't need to read the Bible this week or this month. And I could just talk to this psychic counselor or this secular counsel, whatever the case is. God righteously hates the witchcraft, the demons, the worship of these things because they are doing anything but leading people to a relationship with God and taking them from a relationship and a fellowship with God. Can people be demon-possessed? Or more specifically, can Christians be demon-possessed? This is a topic that's actually been debated by some in the church throughout the thousands of years. And I believe it's the movie called The Right. The movie The Right, uh, with has, uh, with has, which has Anthony Hopkins as, a, I think, a father, a priest, that reveals the controversial side of this opinion of this question on can a Christian be demon-possessed? First, what is possession? What is demon possession? First, let's define what a demon is. A demon is an angel or a celestial spiritual being that God had created. Yes, God created, but then they chose to rebel along with Satan and Satan's rebellion in the early stages of creation's history. And they, since falling and rebelling, have always chosen the side of evil. So these demons, whether we want to say they're fallen angels, I personally believe Satan, Lucifer is a fallen cherub, which is a different type of celestial spiritual being. They are beings that are contrary to God, anti-God, anti-Jesus. And as Jesus Christ has said, they're only here to steal, kill, and destroy. And so what are these demons? These demons are the ungodly angels that fell from the beginning of creation. So what about possession? Well, possession is simply just the controlling of something, whether it's someone's actions or someone's thoughts and influencing them. We read plenty of times in scripture of demonic possession, a legitimate and real thing. Basically, we see that demons can physically possess individuals, make them do certain things, make them uh, lose control of their faculties and have the demon control them. For instance, there was a man in the Garden of Gatherings in the book of Mark who was so wicked, who was so strong that the people of that area had to chain him up in the caves with shackles and that he kept breaking out of the shackles and cutting himself. Then you have people that are possessed by demons, that demons are uh, giving them epilepsy, fits, or medical complications and seizures, convulsions. Then you have demons that are literally trying to have the individual kill themselves, trying to throw themselves into the fire, as one of the parents said to Jesus. And so demonic possession, they seek to control the individual to destroy, to kill, to steal their life, to use the individual contrary to God's purpose. God's purpose is love, to reflect the image and love and life of Christ. They want to do completely contrary. 
We see demonic possession in the book of Acts chapter 16 when Paul gets to Philippi. Prior to his arrest in Philippi, if you remember the case when Paul was arrested and we have the famous verse with the Philippian jailer, what must I do to be saved? What led to his arrest and his imprisonment there was Paul was used of God to free an individual that was possessed by demons. Matter of fact, it wasn't just an individual. It was a girl. This girl was possessed by a demon. The demon allowed her to know or predict the future outcomes. And this girl was being used by people to make money. So the people were benefiting off of this girl's demonic oppression and possession. And so... Paul was used of God to kick that spirit out, free this girl, and you would think that the people would be happy and proud, but no, they were irate, they were angry, they were upset because they lost their means of wealth. And so, make a long story short, they ended up getting Paul thrown in prison for freeing a child. You see, we have got to realize that there is no good that can ever come out of demonic possession. We see in times in Hollywood that actors will talk about, actors and actresses talk about how they try to become one with the character. Or if they're playing the role of a deceased individual, they try to become one with this de deceased person. And that is a very, very poor line to draw. Very poor practice because you're inviting yourself to have demonic possession. You see, some other things we got to realize is demons have supernatural strength. Not only the demoniac at the Gadarenes, but there's another story in the book of Acts where there were seven sons of Eskiva, which is a type of priest, a Jewish priest, that came to try and free this person that was possessed by a demon. And this person that was demonically possessed beat up ripped off their clothes, and had all seven of these people flee the house. Not only flee the house, but fled the house naked because this demon had this supernatural strength. But like I said, we've got to realize that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There is no power that the devil has that is greater than the power of God. For at one instant, Christ removed thousands of demons from one man in the Gadarenes who said, we are a legion, for we are many. And if you understand legion in the Roman thought in that day, that legion is about a thousand. This person was probably possessed with hundreds or thousands of demons. And they all bowed at Jesus Christ. So, what is demonic possession? Simply the possessing of an individual's thoughts, influences, or even their actions to the hurt and neglect of the individual, and to live a life contrary to God. Can Christians be demonically possessed? This is where the movie The Right comes into play. The movie The Right portrays an individual who people would believe is a Christian being possessed by a demon. I personally do not believe Christians can be possessed for certain reasons. One, there's a parable that Jesus talks talks about, about a man who frees himself or is freed from demonic possession. And if he doesn't clean up himself and receive salvation, then the de demon will go away, find another place to inhabit. Will not, he'll come back to that person. And since he is not a Christian, he will bring back more demons and the state will be worse then than it was before. But also we got to realize that the moment that a Christian becomes saved, we have the ability or we have the promise of being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We are temples of the living God. 
And so we have a part of God. We have God living with us, guiding us, protecting us, enabling us. And there's no way that God, with the Holy Spirit's presence and dwelling in us, who's one of the responsibilities of the Holy Spirit, we, we are told, is to protect the believer, is to uh, shore up the believer's faith, to guard the believer. There's no way that the Holy Spirit, God, would allow room or rent by a demonic entity. So can a Christian be demonically possessed? I would strongly and emphatically say no. What about witchcraft? Can witchcraft affect believers? Most definitely yes. While a Christian cannot be demonically possessed, Christians can be oppressed, Christians can be affected and influenced. It's important to see the different types of witchcraft in order to really dive into the question on if witchcraft can affect believers. First, understand that one noun of the word witchcraft or sorcery is kashif, and it brings the idea of incantations, spells, magic words and potions, if you will. You know, you may chuckle or laugh at this, but God's word says it, and that settles it. God's word reveals that there is some sort of practice that people can do to tap into the demonic realm, the spiritual realm. Now, we can look at what's called black magic. Black magic is the ability not to only call forth demons, but also the ability to try and control demons. Okay, so black magic. And then you get white magic, which people like uh, Chronicle—well, not Chronicles of Narnia, but there's ideas of a white witch, white magic. Here you go, Wizard of Oz. There's the white witch, where people believe that the white magic is good magic or safe magic, but it's all magic that's tied into demonic realm. You see, there's a few things about the type of witchcraft that can affect believers. First, desensitization. It can't be stressed enough. Shows like My Little Pony seem cute and fun, but it's actually desensitizing our children and the public about the conjuring of spells. It makes it seem silly and comical, but it's really not. Dabbling in these things, even the interest of the occult, of the demonic realm, brings some things that you would never hope or wish and that you would regret. It's the little hairs on the back of your neck, the feeling of being watched, and it only gets worse from there. If you look at demonic possession and witchcraft, much of it has to do with mind games. And with that, your mind will be all over the place, even to the point to lead some to suicide or homicide. It's not necessarily the possession that demons try to do with Christians, but it's the oppression and the influence that they do with Christians to try to destroy them in their testimony for God. Another type of witchcraft is the Hebrew word kashaf, which is a verb dealing with the calling of or the worshiping of spirits. Other times in scripture is translated as witch, which is an action that one's taking, whereas one person uses incantations to call forth spirit. This is the act of specifically speaking to and trying to get information from or praying and worshiping these beings. And this is most commonly understood by mediums, or psychics. You see, I have an interesting story about a psychic. When I was younger, I may have been like 12, somewhere around 12. Out in Pennsylvania, we were uh, we had visited a psychic. Uh, her name was Rose. 
Now, we didn't live in Pennsylvania. We would visit Pennsylvania every once in a while to see my grandparents. And we were going out there and it was more just, hey, this is pretty neat and interesting type deal. This was before I was a Christian, before I was saved. Well, it's interesting because throughout the situation, we each, uh, me and my parents, my brother, we each went to see her individually. And when I went to see her, she claimed I had some gift, some some aura, if you will, and wanted to give me crystals and said I had the ability to do what she's doing. She's interesting, especially if you know anything about my life, my background, and what led me to the place I am right now. But not only, okay, so when she was talking with my dad, she had revealed to my dad that his dad, my grandfather, was sick with with a type of cancer and that he wasn't going to be around much longer. Now, you can somewhat predict, project that almost everybody has cancer depending on the age of an individual. It More often than not, they're unfortunately going to get afflicted with cancer. And then once someone has cancer, you could say, oh, they're not going to be around very long. Time and duration is very subjective. So that eh, could have been more of a prediction. But what was very creepy to me at the time was when I sat down with Rose. Like I said, she was saying that I had this aura, if you will. She knew right off the bat I had an iguana. How many people do you know of that have an iguana? She didn't only know that I had an iguana. She knew that my iguana's name was Stussy. How many people name an iguana Stussy? Stussy was, I believe, the name of a clothing line, and brand back in the day. And so this was really freaky to me. And so I was like, well, there's no way. That's how it starts. The interest, the excitement. How did she do it? How did she know? What can I know? And soon enough, with that excitement and that interest and curiosity, you're down this road. And the last thing on your mind is salvation and eternal life. You're bowing to the spirits that make you powerful and you think you're enjoying your best life now. But what they end up doing is using you, abusing you, destroying you, keeping you from eternity with God and sending you on your way ultimately to eternity separated from God on your way to hell or if you are a Christian and you're dabbling down this road, making you completely, completely worthless and useless to the mission and purposes of God to bring God glory and honor. You see, we had talked about this a little bit, but one of the most horrifying things about dabbling in it, whether you're a believer or not, is the road it's going to take. Like I said, in Acts 16 and Acts 19, Paul comes across people who are being used for gain that are demonically possessed. In Acts chapter 19, people are making money selling demonic idols, demonic figures, if you will, to people, enabling them. God, through Paul, rids those spirits in those particular chapters, and the people are outraged. Why? Because, again, they lost their wealth and they lost their power. Witchcraft will prevent you from seeing the bad slippery slope that you are falling into. And this slippery slope will bring a horrible demise to those on its path. God tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 10 through 12, There shall not be found any among you 
that makes the son or daughter pass through the fire or uses divination or an observer of time or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. God hates the occult. God hates the demonic realm. God hates the practice of man trying to attain knowledge apart from him through the demonic realm. It's not because he's jealous, but rather because God knows the knowledge of the occult does not produce godliness, holiness, or benefit for the one seeking that knowledge. And as Jesus said, and as we pointed out already, the occultic knowledge is from Satan who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's a matter of God's desiring the best for you and I, not petty jealousy. God's wisdom is far better than your wisdom or my wisdom or any other wisdom you can get out there from any other spiritual realm. He knows the best and wants the best for you. But like we said earlier, people want to get knowledge elsewhere because of different reasons. You want to see how far this slope goes? Look at Manasseh. Manasseh is a poster child as far as how dabbling in witchcraft will desensitize and take someone. He had a good father. Manasseh's father was Hezekiah. In 2 Chronicles 33.3, we're told that Hezekiah, his father, destroyed all the pagan places of occultic worship, which was a good and commanded thing by God. But somewhere, Hezekiah's son Manasseh fell. Whether it was desensitization, whether it was the excitement or influence, whether it was the prospect of power, Manasseh turned to the occult that God had forbade. Because of this, God tells us he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also, he observed times, used enchantment, used witchcraft, and dealt with a familiar spirit and withers. And he wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Manasseh sacrificed, killed, murdered his children, whether biologically or the children of Israel. He killed these children for the familiar demonic spirit he was dealing with. He killed image bearers of God, people with purpose. He murdered children because the spirits, the demonic spirits, told him to. What one will find out if they research the occult and the witchcraft is that it is more entrenched the more you get with these familiar spirits and the worse the spirits get in demanding and coercing the one who is seeking them. For instance, it begins playful, even as exciting with information and knowledge and excitement. But eventually the spirit starts making the person work for him and demands atrocities be done. If you don't believe me, you could check out the true story entitled The Devil's Knot. K-N-O-T, The Devil's Knot. Do not begin on this road. How should we react if we're under a spiritual attack? First, pray. You have got to pray for the wisdom to find out why. Why are we under spiritual attack? Ask God for the wisdom to find out. Ask God to clean the heart. It may be because you're doing all the things we just said not to do. If that's you, stop it. Stop it. Stop doing those things. Repent. Ask forgiveness. Get serious. Like in Acts 19, 17 through 20, once the people repented of selling these pagan statues and idols, the Ephesians burned all their magic incantation books and spells. And in verse 19, we're told that the total of these items was the value of 50,000 pieces of silver. 
During that time, it's estimated that it was possibly about $10,000. Warren Wiersbe indicates that the total value of all books burned is equivalent to one year's wage for 150 people. Think of your 150 friends on your Facebook feed. It's equivalent to 150 of them getting paid for the entire year. That's how much they burned. Whatever the cost, the value of what they burned was extremely high, and they believed rather than selling the books, they didn't want to just get rid of them. They didn't want to sell them. They wanted to obliterate them so that no one had the access to them. If you're under attack because you're messing around with this stuff, get out of it. How serious are you? Get rid of everything. I'd also say that we need to realize that God is greater again than anyone or anything. We can find peace in his protection. I'm not going to lie. There's been nights where I had to sing there's something about that name. And you know, there most definitely is something about the name of Christ. It soothes me and removes the feeling. Finally, we have got to realize and stop being desensitized with the occult. Put away TV shows like Warehouse 13, Paranormal, Cartoon Magic shows. The more you get used to those stories and those shows, the more they don't bother us anymore. And if someone wants deliverance, someone's going to flee those things. And it's never a bad idea to fast and pray to be able to start over. But one thing I want to strongly remind all of us, we are never told to engage in spiritual warfare. We are told to stand. We are told to resist. We are told to not give an occasion. Do not engage. Do not try and fight these beings on yourself. You must rely on the power of the Spirit of God, the authority of Christ, and the power of the Father. God gets the victory. You get the freedom. So that's that for this uh, podcast episode as far as demonology and this Christian. Be sure to head over to our YouTube channel to see a video discussion on this very topic in which we're going to expound a little more. So until next time, I thank you for checking in and God bless.